Welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. NRG Knights, right? So the NRG Knights, it's a, it was a youth, uh, Inverness youth came down on Friday, uh, and um, we were... I, I was there for that, and uh, it was it's great fun being with the youth. And uh, we had this kind of table football with balloons, and uh, I discovered that cheating is something that I'm really good at. And, and uh, they were trying to score, um, and it was just the game was going on. It was it was even, you know. And and uh, I thought, well, my team that I was playing with, um, I was nearer my goal than I was the other goal. I thought to finish this game easier, if I just let a goal in, own goal, then it will finish the game and we can get on with the evening. So, <laughs> so that's what I did. You saw it, didn't you, Becca? You saw me cheat. and uh, <laughs> It was hilarious. And actually, actually, we spent, Becca was on, on our team as well, and I, I was behind Becca, and we were meant to be shooting balloons back to the end that we had a a goal this side and a goal at the back and we were trying to shoot the balloons but I just spent the entire evening whacking balloons off the back of Becca's head because it was way more interesting (laughs) brilliant wonderful well we are continuing our artisan series that um uh that James launched uh last week and um you know God has created everything beautiful, hasn't he? That whenever we explore anywhere outside of a city, you're always fully appreciate the value and the beauty of what God has created. Here's an interesting thing about cities. Sometimes cities are beautiful and sometimes they're not. It just depends on how much thought and design went into it. And so there are, there are many towns and cities which are rather dull, repetitive, boring, but there are many places also that are exceptional and beautiful and, and, and incredible. But regardless of what man has built, everything that God has created is stunningly beautiful. And one of the things that we want to discover is that God has created man to be artisans of his word that we would express with incredible beauty and creativity the things that he has spoken into our heart that we might build something quite extraordinary. And, and uh, it says in Genesis chapter 2, this is a scripture which has been on my uh, heart since August. And um, the Lord spoke to me back in the, um, back in the beginning of the summer uh, in June. The Lord spoke to me about how his spirit wants to reveal his beauty. And... That caught me by surprise because I thought, well, how, what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, beauty is, is wonderful, but what I hadn't really thought about beauty as being something which was critical and essential for the building of the kingdom of God and for our lives. But then I was actually in a conference in, in Latvia and... and one of the pastors speaking just read the scripture and it it lost me. After that, I never heard anything else that was said because this is this is the scripture he read in the New 
Living Translation, Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, when God created the Garden of Eden, he first made it beautiful, then he made it fruitful. He made it beautiful first, and then he made it fruitful. But here is something that I've discovered, that when beauty comes first, fruitfulness always comes second. When we miss out beauty, we miss out on fruitfulness. That the kingdom of God is first beautiful. Now, one of the things that I... um, if you travel around the country, you'll, you'll still see standing um, buildings that were built in the 1960s and 70s. In fact, um, Aberdeen City Council demolished a few, um, uh, two or three years back, demolished a 1960s office block, which they built in what they called the Brutalist Era. How many of you know of the Brutalist Era? It's concrete office blocks. The ugliest things you ever saw on the face of the earth. Somehow, there were these architects who were meant to be the epitome of an artisan. And somehow, they thought it was really good to make up these big, ugly square blocks and say it was art and say it was a statement of modern society, which it probably was, to be fair, but not a good statement of (laughs) modern society. And they built these big, ugly buildings and... 1960s and now they're tearing them down and in the 1960s the council built this big ugly building and our own Paul Barton worked on that building I think on a number of occasions and will tell you how awful it was from beginning to end leaked like a sieve people would get sick and ill and uh, just being in the building and here's the irony right next to it is the Marshall College Uh, the second largest granite building in the world. It's one of the most beautiful buildings you'll see in Scotland. And uh, it's very old. And here is the council now moving into this very old building because the modern building they built was so useless, they had to go back to something which was beautiful. And because it was beautiful, it suddenly becomes desirable and practical and fruitful. So we see a Uh, the the local government is now run from a place of beauty rather than a place that is ugly. Are you with me here? See, See, we must understand that we must first build beauty if we want to see something which is fruitful coming out of our lives. Isn't that amazing? We don't understand how important it is when we look at Creation, we look at it and go, wow, it's beautiful. But here's the thing about creation. It's extraordinarily fruitful. And so we mustn't separate the two of those. Now, I want us to understand that God is building his church. And I'm going to take you on a little journey for you to understand what God is building. In Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this, and he gave himself, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work 
of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we shall no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So we see here, Paul is, is writing to the church and he's saying, he's saying, look, unless we understand how the church is structured, we're going to find ourselves lost and find ourselves being thrown this way and that way, not having any stability, not having any structure or any sort of framework in which to build our lives. That makes sense to you? Now, it would be true to say that if you never had a home to live in, that you would find yourself always and constantly being exposed to the elements around you. Our uh, neighbors, um, they, uh, our neighbors, um, siblings, uh, uh, sister, neighbors, sister turned up and, and uh, they, she wanted to go camping. She came from, a neighbor's sister comes from Poland and she wanted to go camping uh, with a friend. And so they went camping in Scotland and we went running around the house trying to find camping stuff that we got to help out so they could go. And they went up around uh, the north of Scotland all the way around. And while they're going around, they, they came back and we said, how was your camping trip? And I went saying, oh, it was amazing. We spent the week sleeping in the car. Because it was so windy and so cold. <laughs> that <laughs> it wasn't, we thought on one time, we even thought the car was going to blow away. <laughs> see, that, because when you go camping, see, camping is a temporary sort of accommodation and it's not really suited to living, right? No one's going to really live in a tent in Scotland. It's never really been a thing. Even even back in the days of the pits, no one lived in tents. They always lived in stone houses because that's what you need in this country. I often chuckle to myself when I see that they're advertising. Well, they're advertising. <laughs> well, we're going to get a storm. We're going to when they start. And they talk about storms down in, in America. They say they've got a winds of 100 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour. I'm thinking, what's wrong with that? We get those all the time. That's a regular winter for us. 80, 90, 100 miles an hour, nothing shifts. Because we've, we we've created and built structures that can withstand those kind of elements. And... and we must understand that God wants us to build something that is extraordinarily strong. And so, and so God has given us a, a structure called the church. And the church has in that structure apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. That's the fivefold ministry. But in 1 Corinthians, um, in 1 Corinthians 2, 12... Um, to 27, Paul adds some extra to this. He goes, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. So in other words, Paul sort of gives a, a broader aspect of the structure of what comes from the church. And he says, You've got the ministry, the apostles, the, the prophets, the teachers. You've got those who you would see here, but you've also got those ministering healing. 
So that's not necessarily those who are from here. That's, this is a congregation. We, we've got those who are helps ministries. A lot of people here are helps ministries. You've got administration. You've, you've got, and you've even got speaking in tongues as a ministry to the building of the church. Isn't that interesting? It's part of the structure of what makes the church strong. But here's the question. What is the church? You say, well, we're going to build this. You see, you can't build something beautiful unless you know what, it's, what it is and what it's there for. Isn't it? I mean, we, um, one of the things that, um, that we have at home um, is I was going through a medical drawer. Who has a medical drawer, medical cupboard with all the painkillers in? Jamie's got one. She's full of drugs he nicked from the hospital. He got a... <laughs> Don't tell anyone. And, <laughs> and if you've got a medical... I was going through a, a medical drawer because it, it tends to gather stuff over years. And, and you find sort of best before 2012. <laughs> Better throw that... Up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I actually found six tubes of vitamin C uh, in the in the cupboard that we, I just when I go through the supermarket I think better get some more vitamin C I don't know why I just can't help myself so I always end up buying more and, and I've realized that it, we never run out the time before it was just stuffed at the back of the drawer and but here's the thing vitamin C was discovered in the 1930s and uh, called ascorb- uh, ascorbic acid and is that right? Yes, it is ascorbic, not ascorbic. Ascorbic acid. It's called ascorbic acid, and it's vitamin C, and it's necessary for the for carbohydrates, for proteins and fats to be processed through the body. Without which, you become ill and you get diseases like scurvy, which is what uh, Jim has. And uh, no, he was a boat. He was a sailor. Sailors used to have scurvy. I don't think he did. He was. He got, I don't think you did. I, I'm just being naughty. Do you think you did have scurvy? It's all right. It's not catching. It's a, uh, it sounds like it is, but it's a, it's, it's a disease you get because you didn't have enough vitamin C. And vitamin C is something which is, which is in the fruit and veg we eat. So up until the 1930s, people are eating vegetables and they're eating fruit, but they're not understanding what it's for. So they know it's good, and they feel the value of it, but they don't know why it's good or what it's for. And because of that, they didn't necessarily eat it when they should have done. So when sailors are at sea, it's very difficult to have vitamin C. Uh, and, so, and so they would be out at, at, um, on, on the ships for many weeks, uh, and they would without vitamin C, and so they would get diseases like scurvy, which is, can be um, very dangerous. So... The church, you see, if you don't understand what the church is for, you may understand that it's good and it's wonderful and I can come to church and I can worship. And I can, but you, if you don't know what it's for, then you don't know how to apply it and know the value of it in your life. Does that make sense? And here's the question. What is the church? body of Christ. Well, what does that even mean? Oh, we're, we're the body of Christ. Let me go with me, will you, to um, Genesis 28. 
we're going to go full circle and we're going to come all the way back to Ephesians. Genesis 28, verse 15 to 19 says this. Behold, I am with you. This is, by the way, this is Jacob. Jacob um, has inherited, Jacob and Esau are twins. Uh, Jacob is the uh, younger uh, twin of Esau. Uh, and Esau has been disinherited because of his heart toward God. Now, Esau is considered bad and Jacob's considered good. But to be honest with you, both of them are a bit ropey. To be fair, right? When you read it, just to be fair. But the difference between them is that while Jacob is a bit deceiving and a bit deceptive, he still values and loves the things which belong to God and come from God. It's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't matter who you are, but if you have faith in God you're able to find a, a line of salvation. And so, but Esau didn't. And so, so Jacob has kind of conned Esau out of his inheritance. And now he's, he's, he's on the run because Esau wants to kill him. And while Jacob is out, he has a dream. He sleeps down, he puts his head on a stone, uh, and he has a dream. And in the dream is an open heaven. And he sees a a stairwell, a, a ladder. I was going to say stairway to heaven, but then you start singing Led Zeppelin, so don't do that. If you see a ladder to heaven, and in the ladder to heaven, he sees angels descending and ascending into heaven. And he begins, and he wakes up, and this is where we pick it up in verse 15. He says, Behold, this is God speaking to him. Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until you have done what I've spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he put on his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. Now, I want us to understand here, see Jacob, he sees it, he gets a vision of heaven, he receives a promise from God, and he declares something prophetically about what it means. And what he calls the place is Bethel, which is the house of God. Now the church is the house of God. You with me here? So we understand that he's called this place Bethel, and then he's called it a gate of heaven. Now we've got to understand that the church is a gate, which is a place of transition from one place to another. How many of you have got gates at home? The gate sets a boundary line between one place to another. It's, I mean... You may have big secure gates or we've got um, a couple of gates that set a boundary line between where we park the car and where the garden starts. And they are boundary lines from one place to another place. Jacob says, this is the house of God, a gate of heaven. See, the church is a place of transition that places a gateway between the natural and the supernatural. The place of this world and the place of God. We want to understand, see, God has got the house. This place is called Bethel, the house of God, and it is a 
gateway between that which is of earth and that which is of heaven. Go with me, will you, to John chapter 1. I want to show you because I can see you're not quite convinced. John chapter 1. Look at this. This is amazing. Jesus answered and said to him. Now, sorry, I'm jumping into scripture without explaining the context. Jesus has just met Nathanael. And he said to Nathanael, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no deceit or guile, says in the old English. (laughs) And Nathanael says to Jesus, How is it that you know who I am? And Jesus says, Before Philip came to you, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathanael's amazed. And he says, Behold, you are the Son of God. What a, what a jump, right? Right there, gets a word of knowledge about seeing him under a fig tree. And instead of saying, I didn't see you, because that's what I would have said. I mean, someone come and said, before Philip came to you, I saw you under the fig tree. And I would have gone, I didn't see anyone. But Nathaniel immediately gets a revelation. You are the son of God. Incredible awakening within his heart. And Jesus, amazed at this point of revelation. See, Jesus wasn't expecting that. See, the Holy Spirit was at work. And and Jesus is the the Son of God, but he's fully man, right? And because he is fully man, he's constrained to the nature of that which is man. And everything he did, he did as a man in obedience to the Father. That's important to understand, because without that, his sacrifice would have been meaningless. And so he is a man and he is caught. And we, we can see Jesus surprised on a number of occasions by people's faith. Uh, and most often by those who have no inheritance of faith having faith. Those are the ones that catch him by surprise on most occasions. And so, But we see here Jesus is going, and Jesus said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Then he said to him, suddenly we're back in Genesis. Most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you will see heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Suddenly, see Jesus, he is the church. He is the head of the church. We the church is, what is it? It is the body of Jesus Christ. I'm going to go there in a minute in Scripture. If the church is the body of Jesus Christ, Jesus is the place where heaven is open and angels are ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, when Jesus Christ was ministering, he had an open heaven And he was able to access everything that was in heaven and bring it to man. The whole point of the church is that we are here as a gateway of heaven to bring that which is in heaven and bring it to man. We are here to minister the revelation of what God is bringing is in heaven. That's why Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Because he was up that ladder and having a look in the heavenly places. And then he was popping down and going, you never guess what I saw. I saw you getting healed. 
I saw you. And he went and ministered it. He took what was in heaven and he brought it and he ministered it to earth because he is the church. Let me show you this. Ephesians chapter 4. We finished at verse 14. Let's go back. Let's go to verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So he's the genius. He's the genius of God that Jesus Christ, who is the head is the gateway of heaven and we are his body so we are a part of the ministry that accesses the heavenly place that we may access heaven and bring it to earth the reason why we are here as a church is we are here to bring the beauty and the genius and the creativity that is in heaven and we're here to reveal it to mankind and we are, the Bible says, the body. Now, if we, there's so much more we can say about the body. But what we understand is that in a body, every part has its function. Every part has its necessity and has its requirement. When there is a part of the body missing, there is a disabling impact and effect on the body. And so the body has a critical part that every one of you has a critical function but that function is beautiful it is creative and it is the genius of what is God has placed upon your life now where does the genius and the creativity comes from it comes from the ascending and the descending into the heavenly places James read this scripture and I'm going to read it to you again 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Through us, diffuses the fragrance that we receive when we access. Because we're a gate. This is Bethel, the gate of heaven. You with me? This is Bethel, the gate of heaven. Of heaven. This is Jesus Christ where angels are ascending and descending. This is the house of God. This is the body of Jesus Christ. This is the place where we, refi- re- where, where we receive the fragrance of everything that is beautiful and we diffuse it to the generation that is around us. And the genius of artisan is discovering how we diffuse what has been placed in our heart. One of the things that I learned in my teenage years is, I remember God speaking to me many times. I have this amazing prayer time on my own. and I come and I try and tell people what God said to me, and I would just see their faces like blank. Have I had one of those moments? God's told you something. And you're like, God told me. 
this is what he's going to do. And they're looking at you like going, you're just weird. <laughs> and I, at that moment, I began to learn a lesson. And this was the lesson. How to diffuse that which is beautiful, that which is fragrant, that which is incredible. How to diffuse it so that it touches and reaches the people who've yet to receive it. See, there is the creative genius. There is the artisan who begins to come at work. Jamie, can you jump on the keys? Not like literally, because that would, that would break them. <laughs> but we are, verse 15, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are the gate. We are the gate. The fragrance of Christ. The place that is earth and the place that is heaven. That is the church. That's what we're here for. What is this body? What is this church? What is it? It's a gate. It's a place when the church comes together, the body comes together, creates a place of access. So that when someone comes in, they can find heaven. It opens. Heaven opens. And here's the miracle. When heaven, when we access heaven, there's not like limited access. It's not like you haven't paid enough to access all of it, so you can only just get a bit of it. Heaven is open. One of the things I've discovered one of the things that it's not that it breaks my heart it's that it, it puts this ache on the inside it's that I have seen heaven open through my prayer through faith through God's word over my life I've seen God do incredible miracles I've seen God do incredible provision I've seen him do extraordinary things haven't seen him do it enough. I haven't seen him do it enough. Does that make sense to you? Why? Because we've got to ascend and descend. We've got to receive what is in that open heaven. There is a, we've got to find within our heart that point of being in the gate. Stepping into the gate. We're the church. We are the gateway. The lesson we have to learn is, is how do I express my faith? How do I express that which God has put in my heart so that I can access everything that is in the heavenly realm? Because there's no limitation. There's no limitation of supply, healing, of restoration, of promise, of breakthrough. There's no limitation in the heavenly realm. My responsibility is to access everything that is there and to bring it here. How do I diffuse that? You sometimes feel like you've received the weight of God's heaven in worship, but you're struggling somehow to diffuse it. Because you don't know how to express that which is. You sometimes feel that there's so much wonder and glory that touch your life and yet you want to just give it more. journey that we're all called to walk is to discover how to diffuse how to express 
how to bring forth the word. How to reveal the fullness of God's presence. And bring his restoring, empowering love to everyone. Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.